Seinfeld, the shoes are over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys that always get their footwear at Botticelli. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Isn't it Seinfeld, the shoes is over? Yeah, I thought about it as I said it, but I just figured it was too late to go back. All right, for now, we got to help redo the whole thing. Seinfeld, the shoes is over. But we're just going to No, start. I think now now R kind of sounds better, maybe. <laughs> well, either way, I don't know what you're going to say. But we were talking about Seinfeld, the shoes, and I don't think that that is the best name for this episode. So what would you have named it? How about the Pasta Primavera? The Primavera? I, I think that's less of, a, less of a plot point. What about the cleavage? Can you go just with the cleavage? Mm, I think that's going to certainly raise some eyebrows on the TV guide. Yeah, I guess. But it's not, it was not too inappropriate. What about like, would you do like the Botticelli shoes? No, because that's like a fake thing. Yeah. The stare, the leer. Yeah. Something, the, the, the yeah, snub. The, the snub actually isn't bad. Okay. Lots of different ways that you can go here to talk about the shoes, an episode in which George and Jerry put the finishing touches on a script that is not received particularly well. And then. On top of that, there's this whole storyline with Gail Cunningham, who's a chef, who Jerry had dated, and then Kramer starts seeing, and then Elaine ultimately is pissed off because Gail Cunningham keeps mentioning that Elaine has nice shoes. Uh, yeah, by the way, uh, another name. What about just like the, you know, the creepy, like the, the underage daughter or something like that? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, we will talk about that. We will talk about the Denise Richards cameo here as Russell Dalrymple's daughter in this episode. So, Akiva, excited to talk about this. A historic episode of Seinfeld because it is the first Seinfeld episode to air in what we normally would think of as the traditional Seinfeld time slot. Uh, yeah, or it, right. at least the, the night. Yeah, right, right. It's not in its, it's, not in its 9 p.m. slot yet. It's at 9.30, but it moved this week from Wednesday to Thursday. Uh, and really, you can't underestimate how important it was. I'll give you some uh, some rating stats. So the week before this, and Rob, the reason they did this move was um, because Cheers, which was, I think, the most popular show on television, maybe 60 Minutes back then. It was a weird time. 60 Minutes was like still the most popular show. But uh, Cheers, which was the main sitcom, uh, was ending. And it was in its last run of like the last 10 episodes or so. And they decided to put Seinfeld in that slot and then Seinfeld, if it worked, would get the main nine o'clock spot, the, you know, for season five for the next year. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so they promoted it a little bit on the Super Bowl. I couldn't find anything. I was looking on YouTube to see if like they had the, the promotion, but they didn't. Um, and just to give you an idea of how successful, uh, it was the, the week before when it was airing at nine o'clock on Wednesday, uh, it got beat by home improvement, which was a very popular show then. Uh, and it barely beat a rerun of In the Heat of the Night, which I don't remember. Do you remember that show? Uh, I think it was like a cop show. and I think it had Archie Bunker in it. Uh, okay. And then, um, and then the next week, it uh, aired behind Cheers. And it, got, and it was in the top 10 of the week. It got 26 million viewers. And within, this is incredible, within, uh, uh, within about three weeks, it was, and remember, Cheers, most popular show on TV. Uh, Seinfeld was airing after Cheers, and a rerun of Seinfeld three weeks later beats a new episode of Cheers that aired before it. 
So it really, like putting this here almost doubles the viewership and the show really explodes onto the, you know, sort of the cultural lexicon. And then as the last few episodes of Cheers air, uh, you know, to huge numbers, Seinfeld is keeping all those numbers. And that's really what it rides for the rest of the series when it's, you know, uh, you know, just the numbers are absurd looking at now for how many million viewers even season five and six got. A Seinfeld repeat beat out a new episode of Cheers in the stretch run. Yeah, that's I mean, it sounds crazy, but uh, would a USA Today from 1993 that I'm looking at lie? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, on Wikipedia, you can see links to like the old some some person uh, like copied and pasted every single week's ratings onto uh, they scanned them in. So I'm looking at them now. It is fun to see like a rerun of Hanging with Mr. Cooper, 20 million viewers. Wow. A rerun. It was probably the episode where he joins the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> was that was what it was? Remember that episode? Well, it was prescient, right? It was, uh, it was a harbinger of what was to come. That's right. Uh, but did, did you ever watch that show? That was a good show. I did used to watch Hang with Mr. Cooper. It was actually a Growing Pains spinoff. Oh, really? Yeah, they moved into the house. Like the Growing Pains family moved out and then Hanging with Mr. Cooper moved into the Growing Pains house. But was like, there any other connection no. besides that? No, that's hilarious. It's like they just smart. They just had like, hey, we have the set built. Let's just move hanging with Mr. Cooper onto this set. And like when they moved in, like there was a picture of the Seaver family, like that was on the wall. Like they like left it there. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's brilliant idea. Some Russell Dalrymple of the '90s was like, hey, I got an idea. You know what, how it's what expensive. Would, to what build would be a set? other shows that they should do that with? Should a new show move into Jerry's apartment? Or, 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 but like, let's have a more absurd connection. Like some sitcom on CBS is like based in Baltimore and like someone lives in like Omar's house from The Wire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has to be on the same network. It has to be. Oh, it does. Is that a rule? You can't, yes. you can't pretend like it's somebody's house. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so that's, I don't know. that's what happened on Hanging with Mr. Cooper. All right. So Seinfeld. Steve Urkel moves into the Seinfeld apartment. <laughs> yeah. And that was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Oh, who's the connection there? The mom on Perfect Strangers, I'm sorry, the mom on Family Matters used to work at the newspaper that Larry and Balky um, Oh, but they like write, they wrote her off pretty quickly, the mom. Well, they put her on her own show. No, but I'm saying on Family Matters, she just like had a, had a, a money dispute, the mom on Family Matters. And then I think they like, they like, okay, we're going to replace the mom without ever saying anything. Are you sure about that? The, run. the, the mom on Family Matters? Yeah. No, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think you might be thinking of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. No, I didn't really watch the Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure they replaced the mom on Family Matters. I think that they replaced a different actress, but not the... I, no, I, th- I know the daughter on Family Matters disappears. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't, I think, yeah, 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 it was only the last season, but I am correct. <laughs> okay, well, when we get to our Family Matters podcast after <laughs> Seinfeld is over... We will tackle all of this. Yeah, that's a when, not an if. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is from an article from TVSeriesFinale.com. Uh, Family Matters. Why did Joe Marie Payton leave the TV show? This is part one of her interview. Can we get her on the show? Uh, I bet we could. <laughs> yes, the role of Harriet Winslow proved to be so popular that uh, William Bickley and Michael Warren created a show revolving around her character. And then she left. Well, what did she else have to do? I mean, That's for another probably, time. Yeah, she's on. She's on husband number four. Should we mention that in the interview? Or should we steer clear of that? <laughs> steer clear. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so in Seinfeld, the shoes, before we get to that, the first Thursday night episode of Seinfeld, do we have any Seinfeld news from this week? Uh, yeah. Uh, not as much as maybe we've had in the last few weeks, but of course, Hulu, uh, the episodes are starting on Hulu in uh, just a few days on June 24th. And uh, to celebrate it, Hulu in New York City is opening up uh, on 14th Street, some kind of uh, Seinfeld installation. They're basically making a replica of the apartment with like a lot of memorabilia from the show. Okay. And if you go there um, uh, next week from, I, through, I think from Wednesday through that Sunday, the 28th or Monday, I guess that's... Uh, yeah, Sunday the 28th, um, uh, from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can go and, uh, you know, see the show and see stuff from the show. It's like a mini Seinfeld museum. Should we dispatch somebody to go to check that out and report back to us? Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, if, so, you know, if someone wants to tell us, uh, we'll, we'll get, a, you know, that they're going beforehand. And this will be up before that. So if someone wants to uh, give us a full report and we'll uh, discuss it on next week's show. Yes, ideally somebody could be alive periscoping and then talking to us. Oh, that's not a bad idea, because I was going to ask you, Rob, if we should do something special in honor of the Hulu launch next week. Well, actually, they could just be Skype video. That would be fine. And then we could see what they're talking about. And embedded oh, that's not reporter. a bad idea. Okay. But I would, do you think we should do something special for the Hulu launch, or is that special? <sighs> what could we do that was special? Like, you want to take a week off from the recap? <laughs> and, well, and do nothing? <laughs> well, what should we do? Like, are we taking a vacation in honor of Hulu? No, I don't think take a week off from doing the show, but are we taking a week off to talk about the impact of Seinfeld on Hulu or whatever the top? No, no, I don't think we need episodes to watch. Okay, we'll, we'll just talk about it. It's, we'll be like Bill Belichick. It's, it's on to the outing. Yeah, we'll move on. Oh, I wanted to ask you, what is the sports analogy of Cheers is retiring and then Seinfeld is going to start getting playing time? On Thursday night. And nights. then Seinfeld is better than Cheers in yeah. that analogy? Yeah, and it's going to start to take over. I think it's uh, Derek Jeter retiring, and then we find out that's, that Didi Gregorius is even better. But that's not even a real thing. Is that like <laughs> Brett Favre is going to retire, and then Aaron yes. Rodgers is going yeah, to be good? I think Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers is the best one, right? I think Favre is, because like the Wally Pip thing's famous, but Wally Pip wasn't good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I sure think he was Favre okay. Was like, he was fine, but he wasn't, he wasn't cheers. He was no cheers. With all due respect to Wally Pip. With all due respect to his great-grandchildren. Yeah, do you have to use a uh, Boston probably. player for Cheers? Oh, we should, well, uh, you know, I, I mean, is Drew Bledsoe the Cheers here? And then Tom Brady is... Oh, is wow. Because <laughs> I don't want Tom Brady to be Seinfeld. The thing is that Drew Bledsoe wasn't retiring. He just got hurt. Right. Good job, Mo Lewis. <laughs> Thanks, Mo Lewis. <laughs> so yeah i think we got it brett Favre and aaron Rodgers. i think that's that's probably right yeah because at the time everyone was like brett Favre is the best just like cheers was the best but then after about six weeks of aaron Rodgers, you're like oh this guy's even better mm-hmm. yeah yeah we should podcast about aaron Rodgers. <laughs> discount double check too bad there's no it's not like hard knocks with the packers we could do a whole uh, a whole thing a whole big thing all right so seinfeld is going to be opening up an exhibit in new york city what else is going on I mean, I think that's it. There's been a, there's been a lot more of the talk about the PC stuff with Jerry, but I think I'm over it. There's, I don't know. Have you seen it online? There seems like there's been a lot of talk about it. Well, as expected. I mean, people on the internet love to argue. Mm-hmm. So if someone gives them a reason to argue, they will argue until the next thing comes along. And then within about two days, everyone forgets what they were arguing about. Yeah, especially when the topic that they're arguing about is people on the internet. Right. I mean, I, I think in general, it's, these things are very, uh, you know, 
transient. Like they come and go really quickly. So yeah. maybe, you know, I was thinking like last week, like maybe this will hurt Seinfeld. Maybe like people will be like turned off, but I'm sure by next week people will forget. <laughs> yeah. I saw an article that was on the Seinfeld Reddit that was posted about how much money Keith Hernandez makes a year from Seinfeld royalties. Do you have a guess? Yeah, well, I did see it, but what's weird, this is another weird media thing. Like that article we uh, discussed, I mean, I discussed the Jack McDowell part of it on the news, but that that article like existed two months ago and then someone decided to run with it and then, you know, and then it like people were talking about it as if it was a new article when it was really, the story itself was from like two months ago. He still makes $3,000 a year, which uh, is a, I can only imagine. If I honestly, Rob, if I could ask one question to uh, Jason Alexander, I would ask him how much he makes in residuals. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm but sure. It'll be the last question when we have him on because I don't want him to hang up and, you know, before our good question. <laughs> yes. Yes. We have so many better questions to get to before that. So you're saying you, you don't want me to ask that question? Well, I wouldn't no. open with it. Um, of course. It's my closer. It's my, <laughs> it's my final thing. Yeah. If he hangs up then at that point, that's fine. Who cares? We don't know what we're going to get him on a second time. Let's, that's fine. let's hope to get him on once. I think this would be a great question. Who is the least important person that you think makes the most money from Seinfeld? Like, who is the person that we would be shocked to know how much money they have coming in? Well, the waitress uh, who's in the background a lot, who we yeah. never really talk about, um, she is not credited. So I wonder if she actually, if she just gets like the $50 a day extra money or because if she got any money, then, you know, she's in it, you know, a hundred something times. Uh, in terms of who is on it a lot, there isn't really like, there's nobody who's on the show more than, you know, like 15 times who like really, you know, just shows up for like two seconds at a time. So I don't mm -hmm. really have like, I don't know what putty maybe makes a lot of money. Like Jay Peterman. I'm not sure. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Like Mr. Pitt, but probably makes a lot of money. Yeah, but I, like if, if one of these people pass, which of course we, we love to report on when they do, like does their estate get the money that still comes in? I kind of think so. I think it does. So I think uh, there was something about like some guy from Shawshank Redemption and like literally it's rerun so much that like his grandkids can like go to college on that money from the, from the reruns of Shawshank. Yeah, I'm looking at the Seinfeld minor characters by appearance. Uh, Ruthie Cohen is the one that appears 101 times. Right, but she's never credited. Like, people didn't even know she existed until, you know, kind of the internet sort of found her. Like, she's not, she's not in the credits after every episode. So I don't think, so she, she, maybe she's not in, like, a real union. She's probably just some kind of extra. I don't think she's getting checks every, every time that she's on. Yeah. You may have to speak. I'm not sure how it works. Jack Klompis, six episodes. He must be making bank. Uh, his, his, uh, his ancestors must be making the bank, right? <laughs> oh, he's... he's <laughs> it's a sad story it's a, it's a fun fact uh i think so okay <laughs> you know what i want to do don't look at this list because i think that that would be a fun game of i'll give you the characters and i want you to order them by number of appearances on the show i won't look at the list you want you don't want to do that now we'll do that another no another time. time another time okay okay yeah clompus i thought we had mentioned this but yeah he passed in 2001 uh, i apologize to uh well again do i have to apologize do I always, no you don't have to apologize R.I.P. Sandy Barron. Okay. Well, we're very we're sad for his loss. Uh, yes. Pour one out for uh, Jack. Lump. Jack Lump. He had a cool pen. All right. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the shoes here. And Jerry starts off talking about the sexual timetable rule book. Of course, in this episode, Gail Cunningham and he have a pass together. They went on three dates, and she wouldn't even give him a kiss. Yeah, uh, doesn't this whole stand-up seem like uh, something like 
two college freshmen who are like alone in the room at night have a conversation about. Yeah. The one thing that's interesting to me is that Jerry talks about this rule book and he says, well, you know, we've been on three dates and you, uh, you know, have to have some sort of an embrace. And he actually pulls out a real book. Like he pulls like he has like an actual notebook that he's saying, you see, it says here right in the rule book. So I always think it's interesting when Jerry has a prop. Yeah, very few. But he's not exactly Carrot Top. Like very few or Gallagher. Very, very few uh, props. But uh, but when he does it, it's like, whoa. Okay. So a lot in this episode about Jerry and George writing the pilot for the sitcom. They're writing and they're talking about dialogue that they're going to put into the script. The butler says, I'm sick of cleaning. And the two of them are just cracking up. And they're both writing. Like typically when you have two partners writing, you have one person who's sort of the person that's at the keyboard, the person that's writing. It's odd to me to see both of them writing in the notebook. It is weird, but I guess like, first of all, Jerry has a computer in his apartment, so maybe one of them should be typing. Mm-hmm. But Does also, he have a printer? That's a good question, right? Oh my gosh. It was so complicated back then. You know yeah. how we said like, thank God we were born now? Yeah. Well, I've never asked you this. Would you, ra- did I ask, would you rather live for like, I think I did ask you this. We did though, would you rather live for like thir- like, like 39 years in the in like the 21st century or like 80 years in the 19th century yeah you've talked about this okay well my 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 argument still stands anyway like that's insane that like that your reasoning is correct like they don't have a printer so they can't write on the um computer but i I, maybe it's also the same thing like since they only uh like those are the only copies like let's say jerry's maid accidentally throws out his notes yeah you know then george needs a script or else they have to rewrite the whole thing Mm mm-hmm yeah, there was no cloud. There was no cloud. <laughs> so, Akiva, there's a lot that's made in the script over whether it's good or not. Jerry and George think it's brilliant. It's weird that the show has Jerry saying something funny if it isn't actually funny. Like, you could certainly see the show if George is thinking something is funny. Other people would say that it's not funny and you would believe that it's not funny. But the fact that Jerry is saying that the script is funny... Shouldn't that lead us to believe that the script actually was funny? Yeah, but I also think it's like a old Rodney Dangerfield type. Like, we get no respect. Like, everyone thinks that, you know, they're just a bunch of, you know, there's a lot of, in the season, a lot of, like, no respect for the sitcom as, like, an art form and that sort of thing. I think this goes along with that. So was the script actually so good that we are, as the viewer, led to believe that the script is actually very funny and people just don't get it because it's so edgy? I mean, I think that's how it ends, right? So, th- I mean, that's a fair assessment. Like, people, you know, it's it clearly does not. I mean, I guess some people like it, but it really it, it gets canceled. Spoiler alert! You know, bec- more of a Russell Dalrymple situation since he's out of the picture at the end of the season. But I think your idea is correct because there's a lot of meta sort of like, is it too broad? You know, or it's it's really smart, but stupid people won't understand it type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about how do they get Elaine into the storyline, and they forgot that they were going to get Elaine into it. And this actually comes up out of that George is going to give it to his therapist to read, which is kind of an odd move. And Jerry was going to give it to Elaine, which says, oh, we didn't write Elaine into the script. And they try to figure out a way to get Elaine in the script for a minute or two. And then we get a lot of, we don't know how to write for women. Right. And this is also a meta joke because Elaine's not in the first episode of the series, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is that what the meta joke is or is the meta joke that they actually don't know how to write for women? Well, I think they're connected. I think she wasn't in there probably because they thought it was too much. Like she's, they always intended to have a woman, but even when it's, and it wasn't always supposed to be Elaine, but even when it's the waitress who, um, 
who I, I, Jerry has recently said, I don't think I mentioned this ever in the new, in like uh, when he went on with Howard, maybe somebody or J- somebody mentioned that uh, the waitress after like every scene would give Jerry and Larry notes on like what, what she thought was funny, which is also probably connected to this. She was only in one scene. Right. And she would, right. So she was giving them notes after like they were filming the scene. Like, I think we should do it this way. I think we should do it that way. And that's really why they wrote her out because she was so obnoxious. Well, they didn't just kill her off. I mean, they should have, but uh, they, they weren't that sophisticated yet. <laughs> All right. So Kramer comes in and Kramer is talking about how he just ran into Gail Cunningham, the woman that Jerry went on three dates with and she didn't even give him a kiss. So she was all excited to see Kramer. And what did he do, Akiva? He snubbed her. Snubbed her. Have you ever snubbed anybody? I haven't. I haven't snubbed anyone. I don't. Uh, like I. I recently like pretended not to see someone yeah. and went into the bank. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'll definitely pretend not to see somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I went into the bank and then and then I'm like, oh man, I think we made eye contact. And then I came out of the bank. And that person was right there, like coming out of their store. Yeah. And now it was like obvious that the first time I blew them off and I had to have a long conversation, it was awkward. You know what I really struggle with? And I think that people think it's a snub. Sometimes I'm not sure if a person is the person that I know. I'm like, is it that person? Is that? No, no, it's not. No, is it? No, that can't be I have be that them. too, but I'm on the other side because everyone says they look a lot like my dad. Hmm. So people will like assume, like people have have like spotted me like, I, I think I mentioned, like, in Shea Stadium, when someone came over to me and was like, I haven't seen your dad in 20 years, but I bet you're Louis Wienicker's son. Wow. So, I, I mean, I don't know if I still do, because he has more hair now than I do, but, like, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, when we looked so much alike, that, you know, I had that. And a lot of people know him, so, like, literally, people would come up to me on the street all the time. Yeah. So, that's pretty wild. It's like a time travel thing. Well, that's why I got fat and lost my hair, you know, <laughs> just to avoid that. To rebel. <laughs> yeah, that was my rebellion. Yeah. So Kramer snubbed Gail Cunningham and Jerry is like giving a hug. So if this was you, if you were Jerry, would you be happy that Kramer snubbed Gail Cunningham? Yeah, I think Jerry's really honored because we know Kramer generally is like a horrible friend who does not have your back. Yes. So and which will happen in about two seconds. But for the meantime, I think Jerry's honored, even though he does not condone the snub in his administration. That's right. So we get to see Jerry and Elaine at the diner and Elaine has read the script and she kind of like throws it in Jerry's face and says, hey, how come I was supposed to be in the script and now I'm not there? Yeah, the character was even supposed to be named Elaine Bennis. So she's like rightfully annoyed (laughs) that she's not in there. Yeah. And Jerry is saying to her, they don't know how to write for a woman. Like, I think you're going to say something, but I have no idea what you're going to say. Right. And again, like we've mentioned, you know, until they hire women writers in like the second or third season. They, you know, they, they also don't really know what are, you know, going on in women's heads. So it, it is, you know, it really is connected to the actual show here. All right. So here comes Gail Cunningham making her performance. What's your take on Gail Cunningham? I mean, listen, the character's crazy. I don't have any problems with the actress. Are you familiar with this actress from anywhere else? No, where else would I know her from? I don't know. I mean, she was in, do you remember the Michael Rapport sitcom that was on for like a few episodes? I do not. I think she was the, I think she was the wife slash mom in that one. Anita Barone is her name. Yeah. Yeah, um, she's fine. I think the character is so, like, uh, you know, despicable, like demanding the shoes as a, as a ransom for, like, when your boyfriend calls and, offer, and asks you to do a favor, like, why not just do it? Mm-hmm. You know, like, they, they asked Kramer to do it. He didn't say, like, okay, but you have to go out and buy me groceries, you know? Mm-hmm. But she, you know, she, uh, so she is kind of despicable, but, I, but uh, why? Do you have a problem with uh, Gail Cunningham? I just think that she's a character without a perspective, 
she's just, you know, she's a chef. She gets mad. She likes the snub. But I probably couldn't pin down anything about her personality. Like, I couldn't tell you any character trait that she has. Yeah, I mean, this is not Gail Cunningham's story, right? This is the story of the big four. <laughs> yeah. So she's not really that funny of a character. Maybe in the spinoff, like, there'll be a lot more Gail Cunningham. Okay. So she's mad that Kramer snubbed her. What did Jerry say to Kramer about Gail Cunningham? Right. What could he have possibly said? Like, uh, you know, because in her mind, does she even know about, like, the kiss goodnight? Like, she, she probably thinks he's spreading all these rumors. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Gail must not have liked Jerry. Otherwise, you think she would have kissed him, right? I mean, is it so crazy, this three dates thing? Like, maybe she's just, you know, she needs more time. Hey, it's hammer time. It's <laughs> <laughs> If you go on three dates, I think you owe a kiss. What, but this is like the pre, I think the 90s, like it's more, it's less promiscuous than maybe, you know, the 80s and certainly the 70s, 60s. And like even today, maybe this was, this was one of the, I think the early 90s were like famous for being prudish. Well, she can't kiss him. She can't give him a kiss after three dates. I mean, uh, you know, I think Tom Likas would say you have to kick her to the curb. Yeah. You know, some people say after three dates that a lot more should happen before a kiss. Do you know, do you know Tom Likas? I do know who Tom Likas is. I actually met Tom Likas uh, recently. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, he was at... Uh, you, you didn't call into a show, did you? I did not. And I met him in... <laughs> I met him... I was on a panel with him at a podcasting convention. Uh, a lot of the things Tom Likas says would, uh, would promote other panels on... <laughs> sure. Other types of panels. Sure. Yeah. No, he was really an odd guy, if you could imagine that. <laughs> you know, he, first of all, he's a big guy. And like he was wearing like sunglasses, like inside. And like if, if he didn't have like a microphone in front of him, like you couldn't even hear what he was saying. Like he talked. Yeah. yeah. For people who don't know who he is, I guess he's kind of like the poor man's Howard Stern. Is that, far, is that fair to say? No. It's, it's, it's insult to Howard Stern. Why well, a homeless man's Howard Stern? It, He's very successful, Rob. He's, and I'm not saying he's not successful. I'm saying that his that where Howard Stern, I think, is an entertainer and a talk show host. That Howard Stern's show is not about one topic. Where no, Tom Likas' misogyny. Show, the topic is not misogyny. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that Tom Likas is really strictly about one subject. The only thing I remember is that he, because I used to listen to Adam Carolla's radio show. Yeah, so that, so Carolla's on, Likas on after. And then like a sign, like a new, you know, like $3 million a year contract. And then the radio station went under like three days later or sort of like a couple, whatever it was. Uh, not because of that, but then not then like he got paid like $3 million a year for like several years. And he was like not legally allowed to do anything. Yeah. But he was still getting paid. Yeah. Uh, that it used to be on in drive time in L.A. And, and this was, again, pre-satellite, pre-podcast, pre-whatever. And you just have to drive around and then just listen to like, uh, like, uh, hey, Tom. Uh, and he's, I think he calls people like son and stuff. And then, uh, oh, people call him dad. Dad. Hello, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Hello, yeah. And he's like, hello, son. And then he's like, uh, oh, so Tom, I've been on a, three dates with this chick, uh, Gail Cunningham, and, uh, she wouldn't even kiss me. Dump that bitch. Yeah. That's what he says. That's his like catchphrase. <laughs> but he's a delight. And, but right. That's why I brought it up because three dates is his rule. I think after three dates, and I don't think he's asking for an embrace. Um, right. I think after three dates, he says you have to head for the hills. His I, his other rules that I love are you're not allowed to spend fifty dollars more than fifty dollars on a date. Yeah, or maybe it was twenty. It was some like ridiculously low number. <laughs> like try you know, never give a woman the key to your house. Uh, uh, he, for the record, when I met him, he was not surrounded by <laughs> a bevy of beautiful women. 
uh, yeah, I think he's been married many times. Honestly. Really? You don't say? It <laughs> hasn't uh, worked out? Well, he's got a lot of money. <laughs> okay, sure. I also think like that he is an actor. I don't think he believes any of that stuff. I think he's, there's a few people like this. I don't want to name names, but I feel like he's doesn't believe what he says. He just, it makes him money. I could be wrong, but. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's got, he's got a gimmick. You need a gimmick. Everyone's, what's, everyone's got some shtick. Everybody's got something. Uh, I'm working on mine. Gonna have to what's figure yours? It out. I'm working on it. That's why, that's why I haven't been as successful. Well, you can't do misogyny. That's taken that's already. That's taken. Rob. That's off the board. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let me know in the comments if, if you have a good gimmick for me. <laughs> what should Rob's thing be? Okay. So Gail Cunningham is upset about all of this, and she notices that Elaine has nice shoes. Gail wants to know where Elaine got the shoes from. Botticelli's. Wow. Gail is afraid to go in that store. Yeah, I'm assuming Botticelli's is a fake shoes company. Probably. Probably. It's like Hennigan's? <laughs> I think so. Botticelli shoes. I'm doing a Google search. I'm sure it's just going to be Seinfeld stuff. No. Uh, well, Botticelli shoes is handcrafted Italian shoes since 1968. Wow. See, if, I w- if they didn't say since 68, I'd say maybe someone was smart and capitalized on the Seinfeld thing and started like Botticelli's. But, so what would Botticelli's be now? I don't know, like the shoes thing. See, I'm not sure if, if that is Botticelli, that's B-O-T-T-I-C-E-L-L-I, that's Botticelli, that bodice, B-O-D-I-C-E-L-L-I is like a made, is a made up thing. Well, maybe not, they faked it and, and like just the lawyers didn't, you know, you couldn't Google it then. So maybe like nobody realized and they just put it on the air. Like yeah. they made up a fake name that happens to sound like a real name. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. now. This is interesting to me because this is a pre-Sex in the City world. I feel like post-Carrie Bradshaw, I feel like, hey, those are expensive shoes. I feel like that's a status symbol. That's a compliment. But in this pre-Carrie Bradshaw world, it's almost like, wow, you can't believe you spent that much money on shoes. Right. She's all, Elaine's almost like uh, defensive. Like she's a little bit embarrassed about her shoes. Yeah. She said she was embarrassed. And Jerry think, can't believe it. I, yeah. Maybe also like, you know, because she's not really in that tax bracket yet. So maybe this was like a big splurge after she's worked for a year or something. Yeah. And Jerry is amazed at all this. He says, This is why you're not in the pilot. I have no idea what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's the therapist back here. What was the therapist's name? Uh, I think the therapist's name is Dana. And uh, remember, this is the therapist that was recommended by Elaine, who I think is Elaine's friend. Okay. So everything is going good. George feels like he's grown up. And so they're having like this nice conversation. And George asks Dana if she's read the script. And how would you describe the way that Dana feels like the script went? Uh, When I was writing my notes, I'm like, she was indifferent. And then I like erased it after about two seconds later. I'm like, oh, she really didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah. Was not funny. She says it was good. (laughs) I was trying to spell that. I just put a lot of O's in good. And Rob, this is also a lot like the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where uh, LD uh, goes to some kind of agent or manager. I don't remember who it was and uh, gives uh, her the script and she reads it. But unbeknownst to Larry, she... um, puts notes like writes like red notes in the whole thing gives it back to him and charges him like an arm and a leg for it oh wow uh you know and larry didn't even want you know didn't even really want the notes and didn't want to pay for it yeah so (laughs) george is very upset with dana the psychiatrist because she didn't think it was funny she didn't buy the story 
And George just goes off on her, Kiva. Yeah, maybe Dana's not the target demo. But yeah, it's funny. George here is like, uh, he really like loses it in the office, right? Yeah. No, he's really upset about it. And she's like, yeah, I just wasn't buying that. And he's like, oh, you know who did buy it was the president of NBC. And you know what I think is funny? He's like, that diploma on the wall, that is comedy. (laughs) You stink. He's like, yeah. I got something for you. You stink. How about that? <laughs> it's such a quick turnaround, though, because uh, she's talking about, you know, how they handle criticism. And then on the way out, he's like, it was Jerry. Jerry took out all my good lines. Do you, think George, do you think George returns to Dana after this? I don't know. I feel like that he was still receptive to it. <laughs> yeah, I think also, uh, like, this is indicative of, like, why George needs therapy, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Right. And we do, see, we do see her again, by the way, in the uh, pilot. But I don't know if George actually returns to her. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're going to see George and Jerry and Elaine. And they're all talking about it, about the script. And uh, George talks about Dana and says, uh, what is she, Rowan and Martin? Yeah, do you get that reference? Yeah, that they made they made laughing. I, I wrote in my notes. Rob will get that. <laughs> okay, and now his confidence is shattered. This was a woman he was paying to build up his confidence, and then unfortunately, now was that why he started going to her in the first place to build up his confidence? I, I think part of it, uh, also because his mom kind of demanded it, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. And so here comes Kramer, and Kramer has some big news. Guess who he just kissed? Kiss. Gail Cunningham. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just snubbed her like three minutes ago. She liked the snub. I, I see. Do women like the snub? Can we find can we like really uh, put this to rest now? Hold on. Uh, I got Tom Likas on the phone. Uh, <laughs> Rob, what do you want? Uh, Tom, do women like the snub? They love it. <laughs> it's actually not a bad Likas. There's uh, Shut un- un- up, Akiva. <laughs> un- un- Comedy Bang Bang, uh, James Adomian does uh, does like like us for the whole episode. <laughs> he did it with like Amy Poehler once, and she was like, uh, in you know, and obviously he's pretending, but she was like so horrified. But and even just by like the idea of Tom, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think he would tell you that women do like the snub. I think that most women would tell you they don't like the snub. The question is, are there some women out there that maybe think they don't like the snub, but they are intrigued by the snub? I feel like I feel like the other way we have a lot of experience with, right? Like if someone said, like, what are your opinions on women snubbing you? Yeah. We'd be able to speak from experience. Yes, I definitely can speak from experience. Boy, uh, women who are mean to me, like, I, boy, I, I've got enough of that. I don't need. I, You're saying be, that's not going to really draw you in. It would be such a turn on if a woman was nice to me. <laughs> that would be such. How do you know? <laughs> I, I suspect. I just say to myself all the time, like, oh, imagine if, imagine if a, a woman was nice to me. I feel like Tom Likas is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to put us on after him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a, that would be so nice. <laughs> you know, we should, we should call Tom Likas. With, with our women issues, like, live on the podcast. Yes, that would be perfect. I know his show is on right now. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> anyway, so George said he snubbed women for a year. He tried it, and it did not work out. 
I mean, they probably just didn't notice. They didn't notice. They were so happy to be snubbed. Yeah, they were. They, it was the best year of their lives. And also, Kramer mentions how Elaine is wearing these Botticelli shoes. Right. So clearly, this is something on Gail Cunningham's mind. Yeah. Is Gail Cunningham plotting right now to get these shoes? Mm, she's like the little finger of the Seinfeld yeah. universe. She's like <laughs> ten steps ahead of everybody trying to get. Well, isn't or Var? I don't know. Is Var like is a Varys better? Uh, Varys better? Uh, little fingers like, the better allegory yeah. to Gail Cunningham plotting to get the right, shoes. Varys would have known already that Elaine had the body. Yes, shoes. that little finger would have told <laughs> Varys like a uh, like so. Uh, Varys, did you hear about uh, Elaine's shoes? And then he's like, oh, he's like, I heard about that a year ago. <laughs> I heard about the day she bought them. I bought her those shoes. Yeah, by the way, your, your little finger is very good. Do you do that on the podcast? No, no, I just like, uh, sometimes I just wing it. Antonio does a really good little finger. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> so, do you, yeah. do you do a Tommy Carcetti impression also? Tommy Carcetti, I don't even know who that is. That's uh, that's uh, little finger's character on the wire. <laughs> the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I don't know my up to date on my wire references. One of the most insane things that we've seen Elaine do to this point, she goes to Gail Cunningham's job and starts ranting about the shoes at Gail's job. Yeah, I think it's important to mention, Rob. Like, we didn't realize this when we were watching the show in real time. You know, it, in the '90s, like how crazy these people were. But and like narcissistic, but when you watch it back now, like things like this really stand out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is super insane. And minor plot point earlier where Jerry is eating a sandwich and then Elaine wants to take a bite. We see that Elaine has like a cold or something. She doesn't appear to be very ill. No, but I also do like that they establish it in the first scene because in season one or two, that would have been like an irrelevant plot point that they do not tie together. Whereas here, they, they certainly tie that into yeah. everything. It's very subtle because when Elaine is at the kitchen, what's the name of the restaurant? Does it matter? This one is Pfeiffer's. Pfeiffer's. While she's in the kitchen, they are working on a plate of pasta primavera. And as they are passing it in front of Elaine, she like does like a huge sneeze right onto the pasta primavera. Pretty gross. Uh, yeah, but they still serve it. They still serve it. And that plate of pasta primavera goes right to the head of NBC, Russell Dalrymple. I like the reveal. Like, you don't see who, you see the plate first, and then, like, the camera pans up to Russell. Yeah. No, it was a good, like, sort of tracking shot of, like, then you follow the plate, and then you go, who's it going to go to? And then you see the head of NBC. You almost should have, like, the lost whoosh music play right after that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we go to Russell's apartment, because Jerry and George were going to have a meeting, but Russell's not feeling well. Because the food is usually good at Pfeiffer's, but it wasn't today. There must have been something in that pasta primavera. I feel like there was a scene that was in the script that they never made it onto the show, right? Well, what? This is like a pretty abrupt sort of like we went from that scene to like Jerry and George showing up at their house. It seems like pretty. Right. I think there's a commercial in between, but it's still pretty quick. Right. You think they would have got a call of like, oh, Russell's not feeling Something well. like that. You know, some minor scene happening at home with more Kramer or something. Yeah. So can you tell me about what is going on here where George volunteers this information about the other restaurant? Uh, The restaurant is uh, Bruchard's on 53rd. His cousin is there, and he heard that they use the bouillabaisse as a toilet? Yeah, this is like, I think the reason they put it in, you know, it's almost something like Larry Charles would have put in if he was writing this episode, which he didn't. I think LD and Jerry wrote this. It's so weird, right? But it's almost like, oh, yeah, George has no social skills. Is that I, why that's in there? I don't even... Is it like an inside joke? And then they come back to this, and it's a callback to end the episode. 
Yeah, it's the end, right? It's like the big hammer at the end of the episode. It is weird, right? I I don't even know what bouillabaisse is, honestly. Yeah, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia. Bouillabaisse uh, is a traditional provincial fish stew originating from the port city of um, Marseille. Marseille? Marseille, yeah. Marseille. And the French and English form uh, bouillabaisse comes from uh, a compound word that consists of two verbs, uh, to boil and reduce heat. So there are people urinating in the bouillabaisse? In well, the- he said toilet, so let's hope they're only urinating in it. <laughs> why would he mention this? Why would, he, why would this happen, and why would George talk about it? I don't know. By the way, I don't, I don't know if the urinating would really ruin this bouillabaisse. It looks kind of gross, the picture on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. George says, if you go there, stick with the consomme. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Russell's talking about how he read the script. And every time he talks about what the script needs, he goes and throws up. Now, I mean, Elaine has a cold. It doesn't seem like Elaine has what Russell has. Yeah, I, I do think it's a lot. And it's also it's just been like, you know, I mean, I guess we don't know how long it's been. But, you know, it's been zero scenes in between. But, I, yeah, I do think it's like a very violent reaction from Russell. Like maybe Elaine's not the first person to sneeze in this dish. I yeah. don't know. Or maybe he tried <laughs> The bouillabaisse at Bruchard's on the way home. Yeah, but it is weird, right, that he hears that story, is horrified by it, and then takes Elaine out to the restaurant at the end of the episode. I, he's a weird guy. Yeah, Russell Dalrymple <laughs> is really a, a, a zero. But maybe, I mean, maybe he's the guy who like is making too much money off this. The Bob freakiest Dalrymple. freak, maybe. He is the freakiest freak. I think it, it is weird that he goes there. Also, I'll tell you, like, a restaurant tip. Like, their kitchen is open. Pro tip, their restaurant, and I've never worked in a restaurant because uh, I've never re- done like a real second labor in my life, obviously, because mm-hmm. uh, you have to like leave your house. Today. But I think if like in that restaurant, um, it's kind of open, like the kitchen and the, and the restaurant are like next to each other. And there's no like people could just like breathe and sneeze all over that food. It's like an open salad bar, but for the entire kitchen. Uh, so you say no dice on that. No, no. I think every time they do a health test, like a study on like open salad bars, especially in Manhattan and these like really crowded restaurants that like hundreds of people are walking into at lunchtime, like it has the, you know, like the lowest health, you know, whatever that you could possibly have. So go for the closed, like you want the the salad bar or the equivalent that like different types of restaurant where they're, you know, you want that closed to the the kitchen side and them serving you because they're wearing gloves and there's only a few of them. Well, I didn't know you're such a big germ guy. I'm not really like I'll eat anything, but I also it does kind of seem gross. Like you go to these like 44th Street Manhattan restaurant and there's just like salad out there. And like you're like you're taking it with your hands. Like what is the four year old who just came in front of you? Like, you know, what is he, what is he doing? Yeah, no, I think about that like in the JetBlue terminal, like when they got the salad bar out there. They have a salad bar in the JetBlue terminal. Yeah, you can make your own salad there. Really? Oh, oh! I, I thought you meant like on the like a like a special like air like a club or something. I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> no, you meant at a restaurant. No, it's just like in the concourse. It's, it's free. Like, like, no, it's not free. You have to. <laughs> you make a salad and they weigh it and then and then you eat it. Oh, so it's a restaurant. It's not like JetBlue operated, is it? It's like you know where. Have you ever done JetBlue at JFK? Yeah, but I don't like I, I eat beforehand. Oh, okay, okay. so there's all these there's all these like restaurants that are over there, and then in the middle is like they have like a hot and cold uh like way station where you okay, can. Okay, but it's just in the JetBlue terminal. It's not like JetBlue owned and and run. I I, I don't think that JetBlue runs the salad bar. They probably hire people that know what they're doing with the salad bar. I feel like Johnny Dusevera could answer these questions. He works in an airport. He knows all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, so Russell's not feeling well and he keeps going to go throw up. And uh, it's funny the banter that Jerry and George have while Russell's throwing up. What are they saying? They're talking about how, you know, Primavera uh, and Jerry says, actually, did you know Primavera is Italian for spring? And George has such a funny response. And he's like, no. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, is that even true? I don't even know. Yes, it is true. All right. So he comes back. We do the same thing again. He throws up again. And now here comes Russell's daughter, the 15 year old. What's her name? Do we know? Uh, well, in real life, it's Denise Richards. I yes. think she's Molly. Molly. She comes in. We don't really know why she's back here at some point, but she is there to visit from her mom. I guess that she is a product of divorce. George is a product of not divorce. And there's a moment where she like takes off her jacket and she reaches into her bag and there is some cleavage, Akiva. All right. So we got to talk about this, Rob. Yes. Why is she 15 years old in the script when she's 23 in real life? I think that it makes it more of an issue for Russell. If she's he'd be, 23. He'd be fine with George checking her out if she was 18 or 19. Or even 16, like even of some sort of legal status. I think that it really is complicated now, especially now looking back. Like this is, we're talking like Megan's Law type stuff here with yeah. 15 year old. There's no way in 2015 that she would be 15, right? Yeah. Like she should have been 18, 19. I believe they call that in the biz barely legal, Akiva. <laughs> in what, bi- <laughs> what biz are you in? <laughs> podcasting biz the podcasting biz they call that barely i think uh 18 would have been fine i think 16 would have been okay 15 and again she's 23 so it doesn't make us creeps just should have pretend. been 18 should have been 18 to be safe okay can't be safe I, I, enough I, yeah i i think Jer- it makes jerry and george creeps I, I don't think you're a creep for like appreciating her because she's actually in her 20s Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's ironic she's named Molly because I believe that would be your future husband, one of his like five or ten favorite drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Has Denise Richards done anything before this? That's a good question. Okay. Um, yeah, I think Did they I, discovered just Denise of, Richards. Like, like Jason Alexander discovered Taylor Swift, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. What did By the way, uh, Denise, while I look that up, uh, Denise Richards was in. Uh, the news, she was uh, in like the TMZ type news. She's, her house is on the market for about $7.75 million. Wow. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking to buy, Rob, I think uh, I could give you the number. Okay. Uh, uh, she was uncredited on Saved by the Bell. She had like some guest spots and Married with Children, Doogie Howser. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and, you know, so she had a few very minor TV spots. Uh, and then, you know, she doesn't really get it going until uh, like she's on a few Melrose Place. And then. Uh, yeah. What's Spin her big City. break? Starship Troopers? Yeah, I think Starship Troopers, which we actually oddly just mentioned like two weeks ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, because I, I like it was the trailer, the trailer. Yeah, that got the trailer. Uh, okay. yeah, I think Starship Troopers is where I first came to have uh, heard of her. She's on her way, though. She's on her way. Actually, wasn't she in? Yes. In, in 97, 98, she did Starship Troopers and Wild Things. I think those were two uh, probably still most famous movies. Yeah. So she had uh, Wild Things 1998. I feel like you knew that without Googling. No, I, I'm looking at it on IMDb. That's a little strange. <laughs> but <laughs> this is where it all started for her. So Russell leans over and says to George, uh, you get a good look, Costanza? I'm so aggressive. R- uh, Russell Dalrymple here. Yeah, boy. 
That is an aggressive move. And probably if you were in that situation, you feel terrible. I mean, you jump out the window, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have you ever been, has, I mean, have you, I was going to ask you if you've ever, I wonder if like anyone in human history has ever been caught like that. I'm sure there have been worse getting caught. That's pretty stories. bad. 15 year old daughter, you know, by your boss. That's uh, not great. I'm sure there have been worse things <laughs> in, in the world, but that is not good. Not, is not good at all. Not good. All right. So we go back to the apartment and they're talking about this and talking about cleavage and how looking at it for too long is like staring into the sun. Jerry says that George was like one of those people that puts like a quarter into like the thing on the Empire State Building. Uh, yeah. And then would you like look through a telescope or something? Yeah. No, George really was. I mean, if you go back and watch that scene, it's almost like he's like he really is mesmerized. Well, one, he, I don't think he realizes that Russell's in the picture at all, like, yeah. that he's behind him. Not that that's excusing him, but also uh, Jerry nudges him. Like, Jerry has to be at least partially at fault here. Like, why is Jerry bringing this up at the boss's house? He should be professional. Yeah. Jerry says that he can't control it. He says, you see cleavage and then there's an elbow. Have you ever elbowed a guy? You can be, be real here. Be candid. Have you ever elbowed another guy over cleavage, Akiva? I... Keep it real. Keep it real I, I, on the podcast. I, like I feel like I uh, last week there was like we were at uh, like the DMV type thing, and I, like there was a woman who like didn't have it together really, and uh, like her kid was running around, and then she came back in, uh, and and uh, she had like dropped. My wife had found something. She dropped like her driver's license or something, and like she came back in five minutes later. She's like, "Yeah, sorry, like I I." Uh, I forgot that. And then I, I said to her, that's, then that's to my wife. That's not, that's not the only thing she forgot. Cause like she was not wearing a bra. <laughs> so I elbowed my wife. Does that count? <laughs> I think that for me, I, I think you'd have to have like a, I think there'd have to be some nudity before I would elbow anybody. <laughs> before you. Oh, so when, when the neighbor was like, uh, was walking around, would right. you elbow somebody? I think just cleavage would not constitute an elbow. I feel like it's not worth it's not worth it there for Jerry to start bringing this up. She's 15. Yeah. You shouldn't even be looking. He says it was a little reflex. But, you know, he also says, like, there's no age or something like that, when, you know, when it comes to cleavage. Yeah. Like, it doesn't know an age. Like, I think you're wrong, sir. I think it does know an age. <laughs> yeah. These are the things. I think like, there's a minimum and a maximum. And there is there are sort of I don't we could argue about what those ages are, but I, I don't I don't agree with you, Jerry. Right. This would make for one hell of a supercut with all of the Jerry PC interviews that he's doing. Like, uh, <laughs> I want to give anybody well, you know an what idea. What I thought of also, Rob, what's that? Is the before his wife? He had. I think I called her last week. His his ten year girlfriend. I think I referred to her as Jerry's wife when I said he was divorced. He wasn't actually divorced. They were just you know together for ten years and then they split up. Yeah, and it's the same thing. So I'm sure she got some of his money. This, anyway, this is a, uh, a Shoshana story. Shoshana, yes. Shoshana so, Lowenstein. Shoshana Lowenstein. Yes. Um, so she, um, uh, what's it called? She actually, just Googling her, she also just got divorced, but not to Jerry. Yeah. Um, I think she was 17, scandalously, when Jerry started dating her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know when that was? That was about exactly this time. Okay. So do you think this Pretty is based on a true story? I don't know. Maybe... Maybe like first this episode happens and then it's like 15 and it's a little creepy. And then he meets Shoshana and she's 17 and still in high school. And it's like, well, 
if Denise Richards was 15, like this is much better. So 17 year old is fine. <laughs> yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, I'm looking at an article. This is from uh, People magazine, and I'm not sure when. Oh, this is from March 1994. It says, uh, it could have been a skit on Seinfeld. Real-life Jerry Seinfeld comedian, TV star, and life observer was strolling through Central Park one day in May 1993 when he spotted a stranger he now calls the most wonderful girl in the world. Seinfeld in 38 sallied over and then made small talk and went away with the telephone number of Shoshana Lonestein, then 17, and a senior at the private Nightingale Bamford School in Manhattan. Uh, so the key to that story is he was 38, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a little, you know. Yeah. Like it, one day, you don't have a daughter. I have a daughter. Like if in eight years, my daughter comes home with a 38-year-old, even if he's really wealthy and famous, famous. I'm probably not going to be happy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is all well-visited <laughs> material of well, the Seinfeld we will not bring, Yeah, we're not going to bring that up with, during the charity interview. We all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Jerry uh <laughs> back in uh night Jer- <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, so Kramer comes back in with Gail and is talking about, "Hey, what's with your friend Elaine? She's all worked up and uh Kramer's telling us just how wild Miss uh, Gail Cunningham is. Yeah, yeah. So they're like really rubbing in Jerry's face because uh, you know she was not. But again, it's all about the snub. Like had Jerry snubbed her, maybe she would have been wild with him. Maybe, maybe. And anyway, so we get a phone call from Stu, who I guess is Jerry's agent. Uh, no, I think Stu is a, is like a, a network exec at NBC. Okay, and so they canceled the pilot. Well, that was fast. That was fast, and boy. Very upsetting. All right, so what are the guys going to do now? I mean, of course, they hatch a plan. Yeah, so they hatch a plan, and they're trying to say that this was just a natural human response. I mean, what would Russell do if Elaine was wearing a low-cut top? And then very quickly, they said, well, not Elaine, maybe not Elaine, but somebody like Gail. Yeah, Gail. Gail Cunningham. What if Gail Cunningham- fired at Elaine. Boy, with all like, due I- respect to Gail Cunningham- this- <laughs> This reminds me of, I think, the worst thing I ever said. Should I, I, I don't want to, should I, should I tell the story? Yes. I feel like you have to, you have to at this point. Okay. All right. I actually, I ran it by, well, the second I saw the scene, I stopped and I, I, I emailed Chester and I told him this, the whole story. Just said like, I'm going to sound like a jerk, right? But he said, no, it's a good story. I should tell it. So hopefully I won't butcher it too much. So I'm a couple months out of college and I'm teaching at a special needs school. Uh, and I have two female assistant teachers who I'm friendly with in the classroom. And there was a student in, in a class of, uh, I'll say, uh, students who had uh, lower academic capabilities than some of our other students. Okay. Uh, one of them would scream out random inappropriate things at, like, the funniest or craziest times. And he sort of knew what he was doing sometimes, like he was doing it to get a laugh, and he couldn't really get in trouble. So he'd just scream out, like, penis, you know, he'd just scream out, like, crazy things in the middle of class, like, to crack up the other kids. Okay. Uh, and some of them, you know, uh, couldn't follow, but the ones who could, uh, you know, thought he was hilarious. So he was obsessed with, uh, with the assets of one uh, of the two assistant teachers. Okay. And, and he would always, like, yell about them. You know, uh, I'll, call, I'll call her uh, Gina, right? Okay. Not Gina. Uh, what's G- Gail. Sorry, Gina is the name of the actress. Um, 
Uh, so I'll call, I'll call that one Gail, and I'll call the other assistant Elaine to uh, give you an idea of what's going on. Okay. Okay? So we're in a meeting, the three of us, and we're deciding on, he has like a, an ABA, do you know what that is? It's like a behavioral, um, sort of like, uh, it's just like his behavior uh, sort of program. And what and like and we're deciding like what to do. And he has this star chart where if he does like ten good things during a class, he gets a reward. He gets to watch like a few minutes of a movie, or you know he gets to play with like on the computer. You know he so okay, fine, very typical stuff. I think right, right. So, so we're discussing like what should and also he has pictures. Like he has like because sometimes he just like during class likes to uh, stimulate himself by looking at things. So like one of them would be like maybe a picture. When you say yeah. stimulate himself. No, 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 no. Just okay. like keep him, keep Got him. It. Uh, Got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, preoccupy his time. Yeah. Yeah. Preoccupy himself. This is not like uh, he wasn't in a contest. <laughs> so. Uh, so what's it called? He would. So anyways, it would be like pictures. So it would be like, uh, I, I don't know, like who was famous then or whatever. Some maybe it was his family. And then maybe some of them would be like uh, Scarlett Johansson. I'm just making up a person. Right. Okay. So. One, so we're discussing what it should be, and one of the girls, the, uh, the Gail Cunningham, uh, excuse me, the Elaine says to the Gail Cunningham, uh, if, you know, you know, if he gets 10 stars, as a joke, he says, you know, if, if he gets 10 stars in one class, we should put a picture on his board of, uh, of you with no shirt on. Okay. And then I instinctively say, yeah, and if he gets like zero stars in a class, we could put a picture of you, Elaine. <laughs> now... I have to, I have to, uh, uh, I have to, uh, what's it called? I was not fired for saying that. I have to preface it with like, I was only a month out of college. Yeah. Very good friends with these two people. I was very young. I would not say that now. Uh, you know, they, they were not offended. They were, we were like all three on the floor, like cracking up, but I I was nervous for about two seconds that I was going to get fired and have to go home and explain that story to my wife, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which would be awkward. Uh, so why do you get fired? Like you're already like furious, you know, mm-hmm. you got fired like three weeks into your job. Like, all right, sit down, honey. Okay. Yeah. That's best. But you learn from it. Yeah. Can I tell you something really bad? Yes. Yeah. I, I said both of the lines. I did. I made up that the girls said the 10, I said the 10 and the three. Wow. What a, what a plot twist now. Yeah. Plot twist. I thought like, all right, fine. <laughs> Again, I, I, I don't endorse that oh man. Tom Likas would, you know, he would love to have us on after. Akiva, you are my kind of guy. <laughs> I, I, I do regret it now, but now at least it's out there forever. Akiva, you're my new co-host. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, blow, bl- uh, blow me up uh, cleavage style. <laughs> that's, the, that's what he says at the end of every right, call. Good. You like. <laughs> good. I thought you were saying that was the hashtag for this episode. No, no, that's going to no, create no, a lot no. of problems. Like, well, yeah, everything is like, blow me up and you're like, like he has like explosions. He's got a lot of sound effects. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe a note to cut down the sound effects for me, for me going forward. Well, you want to be like complete opposite of Tom like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's gonna be my thing. Okay. So then we end up coming up with this plan and it's weird how we get from talking about this plan to Elaine and then being involved. It's almost like Elaine is mad that they say that she wouldn't be good for this caper. Um, they talk to Gail and Gail says the only way that she would do this to tell the guys when Russell comes back into the restaurant is if she gets Elaine's shoes. I mean, this is extortion. This is like blackmail. Yeah. Yeah. It's ransom. We don't negotiate with terrorists. No, don't just say, I mean, 
but they really need her. This is like a huge favor. So I, I do appreciate like her ingenuity that she realizes like she has them where she wants them. Like she could get whatever she wants out of them. But I mean, if you're Kramer, you have to really like, there's a reason why, you know, they don't get married or anything. Yeah. In fairness, though, it seems like Russell is there pretty often. Like you would think they could just go there at lunchtime for a couple of days and just have the same thing happen. I guess, but, uh, you know, maybe they'll be sneezing in everybody's pasta primavera. I'm not sure the restaurant's going to want that. That's possible also. So anyway, we get to that she has the same shoe size, and so they're going to deliver her the shoes. So we get to this scene where Gail is in the restaurant. She sees Russell come in, and she dials a phone number. I wasn't fast enough to do this, but she doesn't dial a 555 number. I guess you could find out what Jerry's real phone number is, or Kramer's real phone number is. I guess. I didn't really, uh, <laughs> I did not write that down. All right. She says, bring the shoes. And then here's Russell. He's eating. Jerry and George come over and they try to harass Russell while he's eating his pasta primavera. Yeah. Do you think that he that Russell really thinks that they just stumbled into each other or no? No. He's like, oh, these guys. Because he told them he eats at this restaurant. Yes. Yes. And now here comes Elaine. Now, Akiva, just talk me through the play by play of do the guys know that Elaine was coming there? Yeah, I think she's in on the plan. But they the plan is dumb. Like, I don't know if they're just going to, like, have Elaine, like, try to distract Russell. And then once she shows her cleavage and they catch him looking, that they're going to say, gotcha, you see? Because it doesn't seem like that's what happened. Like, yeah, what it's, ultimately, I guess it's a good question, right? There's, like, one minor thread missing here, I think. What ultimately ends up happening is that Russell becomes intoxicated by Elaine and then, like, they don't even make it seem like they know Elaine. Like, they're, like, talking to him and being like, so, you see the script and blah, 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 blah. And Elaine is coming over and she's like, oh, can I borrow your ketchup? And do you have a ketchup trick? Because you just, uh, what does she say, hit it on the bottom? And he's like, I'm sorry, what's, what's your name? And then they say, oh, Russell, this is Elaine. She's with us. She's our friend. Like, they don't even make any sort of mention that they, she's with them. Yeah, I do think um, it was very confusing also because at the end they say like, oh, you know, can you give us put a good word in for us when you go on your date with Russell, implying that Russell knows that they're together, right? I don't know. It's it's very confusing. The end of it. Yeah, you're right. It is really now that I think about it, it's because that part I didn't understand. But now it's like even there is Elaine acting on her own here. Yeah. So because they're right, they just say we're going to go talk to some sense into him. Yeah, how they did she know? Like, did she get the phone call? Also, was she on the phone chain of this? And then she shows up. The whole thing is kind of wacky. Maybe there's a deleted scene that they don't show because there are no uh, there's no extras to this episode. So you know, yeah, it's all lost to history. Yeah. All right. So a- anything else from the ending of this episode? They sort of oh, Elaine pitches a new version of the script that has her in it. And she says, what if the butler gets distracted by the Elaine character who has a low cut top? And they say, well, that comedy is a little broad for us. Right. Which I think is also an inside meta joke. Mm-hmm. Did somebody pitch this idea to Jerry and Larry? And they're like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> it's very possible. I didn't I couldn't find anything on that, but it's possible. I think in general, you know, it, it's also weird, the ending, because it's like this part is funny. Like maybe it's not up your alley, but it certainly ties together. Uh, you know, other than that one little hole that we're talking about, like everything here is connected in the episode. Like maybe there's not a ton of Kramer, but like everything really ties together. And then in the end, like the Bouillab- the Bouchard's thing with the Bays is like really a throwaway line at the end that like it probably shouldn't end on that. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that was a weird way to end the episode, too. 
And again, they do want to continue because obviously they continue date. They date uh, Russell and Elaine. Yeah. So, you know, they want to throw that in there. It's certainly relevant to like now that we're going back to the, you know, the pilot plot for the whole season. I think, you know, they want to throw it in there, but I don't know. It, they could have, you know, they could have tied it at the end maybe a little better. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then Jerry's closing stand up is men are obsessed with cleavage. Women are obsessed with shoes. It's the first time he's ever compared men and women in, in his stand up. <laughs> the hot the take. Record. Yeah. Hot the take. Hot take. <laughs> All right. Akiva, could the shoes have happened in 2015? You know, I, I was thinking what, what part of it, you know, really couldn't. I, you know, the, the, the shoes aspect, fine. The cleavage aspect, fine. Like, I think more than most episodes, this actually holds up. Yeah, I think so. I think they would have got a text from Gail Cunningham afterwards. I also think... You think she would have charged them less for a text than a phone call? Hmm, maybe. Maybe that's possible. I think that Elaine's shoes wouldn't have been a big a big of a deal because you could buy them online. She could have just gone on Zappos or something yeah, like maybe that. Maybe she doesn't make a lot of money. She works in some restaurant where everyone sneezes on the food. Yeah, but I don't think that those specific shoes, I don't think there would have been any stigma with the shoes in the post-Carrie Bradshaw world. And I think that in the era where the uh, pictures of cleavage are much more widely available, I don't think that George would have been staring into the sun for as long. I don't know if that's still true. I guess it depends on the part. Like, I, I feel like in person, it's much different than, you know, I don't know what these other means you have, but <laughs> however, whatever you're talking about, I guess. I don't know. I feel like in 1993, <laughs> 1993, I just feel like this is like, oh, oh my God, there's, there's, uh, there's cleavage where I feel like in, you know, if George has a laptop, he can, you know, is probably seeing a, a lot more crazy stuff. Yeah, hopefully he locks the door this time. <laughs> he locks the door. Doesn't have to get, pick up a Glamour magazine. Uh, that's right. Put his mom in the hospital. He was, one little thing we missed in the episode was that he's like, Elaine, do this for me. My mom was in the hospital. And she's like, yeah, because she caught you. And then he like shuts her up. That was funny. Yeah. All right. So, Kiva, where do we rank this episode? You know, to me, this was the hardest episode uh, so far for me to rank. Why is that? Because I think, first of all, I remember loving this show when it was on, although now that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe a little more. But, I, you know, this episode, I, I think it ties together like, an old, like, a, like a, you know, a later school, like good Seinfeld episode. There's definitely laughs. It's not like a boring episode at all. But I do think it's too broad. You know what I was thinking? Like, if this was an episode, it is like really broad. And this could have been an episode of like Friends or Mad About You or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but would this have been the best episode? Like one of the top five episodes of Friends Are Made About You? Or is this just like completely sitcom meh? You know, I, I don't What do you think? Yeah, I didn't love this episode on the rewatch. I feel like it would be a very good episode of another sitcom. Yeah, of another sitcom, it would be very good. So again, I have this, I have this one above uh, the visa. I have this at 89. Best moment of the episode. What's the best... Well, I did really like that when she starts that story. Uh, you know, the first time also when he, ca- like, again, we've seen this, you know, you've seen this so many times that it's like not really funny anymore. When he catches uh, George the first time, it's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, once you see, like on the rewatch, like that's not as funny. Uh, I don't know. There's not like one, there's certainly no like classic scene from the episode, right? So I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, do you have one? Do you have a favorite? Uh, no, favorite I think line? I would take the visa over this. Okay, well, I have them right next to each other, but I, I think it was hard to rank because um, I, I, it's not a bad, like, it's not a boring episode by any stretch. It's not boring. There's a lot, a lot of plot on. happening, but 
I feel like it's not an episode where if you had to say what's the best joke in the whole episode, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just like sneezing on the pasta primavera and having it served to Russell. Yeah, so I guess the fact I couldn't come up with uh, with the best joke maybe is an indictment. But too late. Already ranked at 89. <laughs> yeah. And the 15-year-old's cleavage, I think, is really does not hold yeah, up. I didn't mind it when I was 11. Now it's like a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Well, you know, the shoes not I don't think I'd have it in the top 100. Okay. I think I'm out on the shoes. Okay. Let's go into some of our email. Of course, our email comes in every week at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. I'm expecting a lot of email in the next couple of weeks as more and more people get on Netflix and are checking out the podcast. Yeah, I'd say if someone hasn't, you know, a couple of people have told me like that aren't big Seinfeld fans. Like I like the banter, so I listen and I'm not like, especially they've told me, like a few people have told me this. I'm not especially concerned they say with the Seinfeld talk, but I just, you know, even if you don't like Seinfeld, you know, it's worth, you know, we talk about so much nonsense that they still check, check out the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hopefully people who like Seinfeld are listening too. We hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. Uh, this is from Craig. Uh, Craig from Vancouver says, back in the keys, you both made the point of how horrible it was that Jerry and George cut Elaine out of the writing process, considering she had been writing a Murphy Brown spec script of on that episode. Seeing in this episode, you're totally right. George and Jerry have never written a script before, don't know how to write for a woman, and yet they know someone who has written fan fiction for a show, which is more than they've done, and it's a woman. Yeah, I mean, but how many people are they letting into this pilot? Like, usually only one or two people write a pilot, right? That's right. So are you saying that maybe that Elaine will come in as a writer on the show after the show gets picked up? Yeah, I think once you get to like an eight man writing staff, I think it would be pretty ridiculous not to have Elaine as some kind of consultant. Mm -hmm. Plus, they're using her name, right? When they have an Elaine character. So she could sue them. Yeah. Um, Also, Craig says, I would also like to request a story on two topics for both of you. Food poisoning and staring inappropriately at cleavage. Maybe the latter is more of a question for Kiva since I already know Rob's similar story of looking at naked women. This is a survivor joke. No, I think he's talking about your neighbor. Wait, oh, my neighbor? Is that what that is? I mean, I, don't, I, I, I guess think. You can oh, go I either guess, way. Right, I guess, I guess uh, you got busted on TV, so that's probably worse than me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you look? I don't even remember. No, I was afraid I was going to fall off the stupid thing. Oh. Yeah. All right. Then, have you been food poisoned, Akiva? Yeah, I just had like food poisoning last week. Actually. Oh my god! I didn't, I didn't get out of bed. You know what it is? My neighbor knows I'll eat any leftovers. Like, because someone's like really good dinner is a much better lunch than I'm going to have the next day, right? Yeah. So she knows, like, she can send up any food, and it's going to be better than whatever my wife is going to, you know, like, you know, because I don't know how to cook. So there's nothing. I either have to like beg my wife to make me food, or just like scramble together or something. So she'll send me up food like every all the time. But apparently her husband gave me, like, they were going away. So her husband gave me, like, all their leftovers. And I guess something he didn't realize was from, like, two weeks earlier. So I got, like, really sick for, like, three days. It was great. I, like, didn't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Let's take an email from Amir. Amir has a hot take, Akiva. All right. Yeah, what's Amir got to say? Amir has to say a few points. I have to admit that it was somewhat awkward rewatching the opening stand-up act uh, and the accompanying Gail Cunningham storyline. The idea that after a certain amount of time, a woman is almost obligated to participate in a sexual act to the point where if she doesn't, it's a clear and blatant insult is so offensive and unacceptable nowadays. So I don't know, when you put it that way. Yeah, but, I, but maybe it works both ways. 
So I, you know, here's the, I think here's the issue. I think that if the, I think that maybe there's an expectation and I feel like if after a certain amount of time, those expectations are not met, further communication with your partner is necessary. Yeah. And maybe if you're not on the same page, like maybe that person's not right for you, but uh, yeah, I don't think you should be like on a, on a schedule demanding anything. Right. Right. There is no sexual timetable as Jerry referred to. And each different relationship has its own set of rules. Does someone have a gun to your head right now? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> believe me. But look to each their own, to each their own. What would Tom Lycus say about that though? Rob, you're an idiot. Oh, I forgot his main rule. What's that? Uh, never date single mothers. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're not endorsing. Let's make it clear. We're not endorsing Tom Likas. Here. I don't think anybody would be confused to think that we are. If you're under 25, you're not allowed to have a girlfriend. Also, Amir says, additionally, I can't believe that it's kosher for a character to say you don't consider age in the face of cleavage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good, good point. We said that, but... Uh... It's, I think you do consider age very much so. You got to consider age. Like it was hammer time. They weren't thinking about that, but you, everybody needs to think about that. Well, we know Jerry didn't consider age when he was 38. Mm-hmm. That's true. Travis says, hey guys, we're all dying to know if either of you both have a catch up secret. If so, would you mind sharing it with all those who made it all the way to the email segment of the podcast? Is he implying that some people start listening and then stop before <laughs> the email segment? I think so. <laughs> do you have a catch up secret? I don't have any. I mean, the only thing I could say is I, I, one of my very good friends when I was a kid was afraid of ketchup, and I got kicked out of the dining room in camp for putting ketchup on his pasta. Hmm. Like, he had a ketchup phobia, so ketchup uh, that was phobia. the only ketchup store. Yeah, he was, like, petrified. He would, like, eat at the other end of the table from the ketchup people. And he wasn't even allergic. He just was disgusted by it. Yeah. So, if you, the ketchup is stuck in the bottle, do you not even deal with the glass bottle, or you only deal with the squeeze bottle? No, I do the plastic squeeze bottle. Yeah. Now, that's what I have, too. But I think that the move is, well, one, if you get the glass bottle, one thing you can do is if you put the knife in and then you get it started, because sometimes it can get a little congealed at the top. That's going to open things up. And I find my best uh, ketchup secret is I think you know, a lot of people get into like the, the, the hitting. I think that just gets messy. I think just a slow up and down is going to uh, get that ketchup going eventually. Slow up and down. Yeah, I think I think um, also with the ketchup, we've said this rule before, but if if you go into a restaurant and they're serving hunts, go somewhere else. (laughs) You want Heinz or bust? Yes. All right. Uh, One last email. This is from Chester. It says a shocking two episode clip in the midst of an epic season. Also, (laughs) he says terrible episode title. I thought this was going to be the one where Jerry takes all of his sneakers to a mom and pop store and they abscond with the sneakers. But as I type the sentence, I think I remember that episode is called The Mom and Pop Store. Anyway, here's a bunch of random gripes. You ready? Yes, I'm ready for Chester. Okay. Um, it's not surprising that George keeps a Pepto-Bismo in his wallet since we'll later learn that he keeps everything in his wallet, but how can he imagine that anyone with a stomach problem would want to ingest something that has spent untold months on the other side of a piece of fabric from his ass? <laughs> yeah, it's a good point, especially if, if he takes out the wallet, I think you'd be horrified. <laughs> Uh, then Chester is getting very catty here. He says, Elaine is right. Why are people discussing her shoes, especially when the rest of her outfit includes a pink t-shirt under a vest under a full-length skirt? Oh, man. <laughs> Throwing shade. 
You, but the, the one th- the thing about the shoe is like you don't you don't learn this till you move in with a with a lady, like even even like I was not a big shopper, but like I like the amount of shoes women have is really astounding. Yeah, yeah, that's and unbelievable. A, that, it's like that's women, the thing. they like shoes. Jerry's right. That's the thing. <laughs> Chester is also he's very catty this week. What is with Gail's hat? If anything, you'd think a chef would be sick of wearing the chef hat all day, and she'd go hatless outside of work. All right, Mr. Blackwell. <laughs> uh, that's a dated reference. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like only you and I and maybe one other person will get that. <laughs> uh, uh, sad fact, I believe he's no longer with us. Yeah. Well, he was old even like in the 80s. Yeah, I think he passed like a year or two ago. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then did Gail just walk into monks to yell at Jerry and then look at her watch and run out? Does everyone in the world know where Jerry can be found at a certain time of day? Yeah, how'd she find him? I guess he's always there. It's not, it's not, it's not like finding Dalrymple at Pfeiffer's. Like, he's always at Monk's. Yeah. <laughs> and then he also wants to know, when they decide to forget Elaine from the script, Jerry and George both theatrically rip the page out of their notebook. What a waste of paper. All they've written is Elaine enters. Scribble that out and continue using that page. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> He also says, why is the president of NBC having lunch by himself at a power lunch crowd restaurant? Yeah, I was thinking that, right? That's a little weird, but maybe he's just like so burdened at work by like, you know, Susan. Well, she doesn't work there anymore, but people like her, they're really annoying. So he just wants to get out there by himself. Probably takes like an hour and a half lunch. Okay. And then last thing he wants to know, what's with the end of the episode? Jerry and George want Elaine to eat from a toilet? Yeah, the the whole thing makes no sense with the Bouchards. Like, he heard the story, is repulsed by it, and then is like, hey, maybe he's like really freaky, Russell Dalrymple. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he wants Elaine to drink it or eat it. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, he's a weird guy. He's a weird dude. As we learn later in the season, he's very weird. Yeah. All right, Akiva. Big thing that we want people to try and do this week, if they're so inclined... Leave us some ratings and some feedback on iTunes. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes and let us know how you think we're doing. Give us a little check in here after what, 56 episodes? Yep. Here we go. So that's going to help us uh, get back into the iTunes charts for the Seinfeld podcast. A lot of people are going to be listening to a lot of Seinfeld material, I think, in the next week or so when this stuff drops on Netflix. So we want to be right there. We want to be a time uh, yeah. slot hit. Yeah, we want we have time slot. We want five stars. We'll even accept four. Yes. But preferably five. Yes. And if you want to subscribe, if you're listening to this on either the post-show recaps feed or some other way, you can subscribe at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. All right. We need a hashtag for this. Oh, boy. The first few I thought of are no-goes. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, so what, I don't know, what, uh, what like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of something like kosher here. Like pasta primavera is too generic. You know, they talked about in the episode that there was a peak after a poke. Is <laughs> do you want to do you want to do that? How about peak after a poke? Yeah, peak after a poke is. Uh, it sounds a little weird, but that's fine. Peak after a poke. Yeah, it's not like on Facebook. No. All right. Do they still have pokes on Facebook? I think so, but nobody uses them. I'm gonna <laughs> poke you right. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't even know how. I never. I, don't, I never knew, knew how. All right. So follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. I am at Rob Sisternino. Looking forward to hearing uh, what you guys would say. Special thanks as always to Mike Moore, who does our outstanding recaps of the Seinfeld episodes. We get such great recaps of the episodes, Akiva. 
Yeah, he's very good, Mike Moore. He's, he's quite the writer. Yeah, so that is fantastic. And then also thanks again to uh, Scott St. Pierre, who edits the show. We'll be back next week. What's the episode next week? Oh, it's exciting, Rob. Yeah, I feel like it's big because it's, you know, the day that Seinfeld's coming out on Hulu and we have, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, the outing. Okay. All right, great. Good. Yeah, very exciting. A couple of subpar episodes I felt like back to back, but we're going to be back in the mix next week. Yeah, another classic season four episode coming right up. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.